Would you open it up with me in your Bibles to John chapter 9? Uh, and we're going to just go ahead and read verse 39 to start off with this morning. John chapter 9, verse 39 says, And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those, that, and those who see may be made blind. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, uh, I thank you uh, for, for this day, for this opportunity that we have to come and worship in your house, Lord. Uh, I pray, Lord, that if there's any here that do not know you as their Savior, I just pray that uh, you would help the, open the eyes of their hearts and help them see the truth that is in your word, Lord. And that truth is that you came and died for everybody's sins and that they might have eternal life. I just pray, Lord, that all these things in your name, amen. <clears throat> all right, so we're continuing through the book of John, and we've been looking at various miracles and other major events uh, in the book of John, and now we come to John chapter 9, and uh, a lot of times we only look at this first part of this chapter uh, just to look at the miracle, right? And this, this whole chapter is really about vision and blindness, and when you look at this chapter as a whole, you really see that this miracle wasn't actually about as much the physical healing of the man, but really about spiritual vision versus spiritual blindness. The, this is the true vision and true blindness uh, that Jesus speaks about in verse 39. But in order to understand, before we get to this verse, we have to back up and go right to the beginning of the chapter. And we're going to see that this first part of the chapter is actually about this physical miracle that Jesus does. And so in this first part of the chapter, Jesus heals a man who is blind from his birth. And so not just a man who was blinded at some point during his lifetime, but uh, from his birth. And that's actually a significant thing here uh, because it speak to the, speaks to the purpose of this man's blindness. And so the purpose of this man's blindness, we'll see this in verses 1 through 5. It says in John chapter 9, verse 1 through 5, now Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God may be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, for the night is coming when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And so last week we talked about Jesus being the light of the world, the light in this darkness, right? And this week we're talking about a very similar thing. We are talking about blindness. And there's a very interesting thing that happens right at the beginning of this passage. We see that this man is blind from birth. And what do his disciples say to Jesus? They say, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? And so in the Jewish mindset at the time, if you had some ailment, it had to be some sort of sin in your life or some sort of generational sin uh, that passed on to you that you would be that you would have this ailment so this is what these disciples are asking Jesus they're they're puzzled by this and so they're asking Jesus what whose sin was it that caused this in the man 
And Jesus answered them with a very telling answer uh, that we'll really uh, get into later in this passage. But Jesus tells them that the purpose for this wasn't because of any sin, but that the work that the work of God may be revealed in him. And so remember that we're talking about blindness here. And Jesus says that the whole purpose of this is for God to be revealed. Uh, another thing that we see here is Jesus says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day for the night is coming when no man can work. And so Jesus is basically saying it's important for him to do this now. Uh, the day of the night here are really symbolic of life and death. Uh, and so that, that's what I read about this anyway, is that uh, the daytime is representing the time that is allotted to someone to, to do things uh, in their lifetime. And so when the night comes, uh, you can't do anything more. And so what Jesus is talking about is really he needs to do these things now. And this is also important later in the passage because uh, we find out that it's actually the Sabbath day. And so uh, it's important that Jesus did this at this moment. And what the Pharisees try to get him on is doing it on the Sabbath, even though this was a necessary deed. Uh, and then Jesus again says, I am the light of the world. Uh, as long as he is here, he is the light of the world. And so this has been a continuing theme throughout the book of John. Then we see this actual healing here. And this is probably one of my favorite uh, healings that Jesus does. Uh, probably because um, I had a youth pastor really scare the daylights out of me uh, with this one. And I'll explain in a moment. I don't totally believe that, but uh, I'll tell you what he said in a moment. So... Uh, in John chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, it says, When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is, by, which is translated sent. And he went and washed and came back seeing. And so th this, this miracle actually shows the creative power of Christ. And the reason why uh, this passage kind of scared the daylights out of me when I was a kid was this youth pastor said that this man didn't have any eyeballs. And so what Jesus was, what he said that Jesus was doing there was actually creating the man new eyeballs. Now, this is a youth pastor and he was trying to get our attention with this. But uh, it, when you think about it, though, there is some truth in that. What is the, what is the material that God used to create man with? dirt. And so Jesus picks up the very material off the ground that was originally used to create man and he uses that to create clay and anoint the man's eyes. Now I don't I don't believe what the youth pastor said that the man didn't have any eyeballs, but Jesus is still using the same material to that he used to create man in order to heal this man's eyes. And so this really shows the creative power of Christ, not just his ability to heal. Uh, Jesus was able to heal this man because he's the one that created man in the first place. But notice that this man wasn't healed at that very moment. Uh, Jesus gave the man a command to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. It wasn't until the man washed 
and came back that he came back seeing, right? So uh, Jesus does this, he does the work, but the man has to accept that and then go and uh, fulfill that command. So he, the man had to do something there. The man had to follow Jesus's orders. Then we see after this man comes back seeing, we see the disbelief of the man's neighbors. In John chapter 9, verses 8 through 12, it says, Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is this not he, or sorry, is this not he, or bleh, is, is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore, they said to him, how were your eyes opened? He answered and said, a man called Jesus came, uh, made clay and anointed uh, my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. So these neighbors, right, the, these were people who saw this blind man presumably throughout his life because we'll read later that his parents are also in that town. So this man literally grew up there. Uh, I think it's interesting also that this, none, none of these neighbors were helping the man. Neither were his parents helping him. The disciples really had no interest in helping him. But Jesus did. But after this, this man is coming back seeing. They all knew who he was, and they cannot believe it. They're saying, this has to be a man that's just that, that's like the other guy. They couldn't believe the change that happened in this man's life. This man, again, obeyed Jesus. And he was changed because of it. You know, sometimes when we're saved, other people will look at us and not believe the change that has happened in our lives. It's a very hard thing. When you see someone that you've known your whole life to be a certain way, and then they come to know the Lord, and they're completely different, they're like, that can't be the same person. It has to be just like that person. And when you tell them that you are in fact changed and it is you, they're amazed by it. What's amazing about this is when this man tells them that it is in fact him, they now want to know where Jesus is. They say, where is he? The man says, I do not know. And so this man, completely changed, uh, goes to the people that he had known before, and now those people being amazed by it want to know where Jesus is. They want to know what changed him. They want to know where the source of that change came from. That's the same thing with us. You know, when people see the change in our lives, that is an opportunity to tell them about Jesus. That is an opportunity to point them towards Christ. But... There's something else at play here in this passage. There's the Pharisees. And we've been talking about the Pharisees 
a lot. But these Pharisees were absolutely against Jesus. And by this point, they were plotting to kill him. And so uh, that's, that's where we're at now. And the neighbors, not really knowing what to do with this man, they bring him to the Pharisees. And so now we're about to see the spiritual blindness of the Pharisees. So first, in the next part of this passage, we see that the Pharisees did not believe because of the Sabbath. So we're going to see a bunch of excuses here that the Pharisees have for not believing in Jesus, right? And so this, the, the first excuse that they have is that it's the Sabbath. John chapter 9, verses 13 through 17. It says, They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was, division, there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, What do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. And so, something that we have to understand here about the Sabbath, or what the Pharisees believed about the Sabbath, is that they had added a whole bunch of things to the law. And so what they believed about the Sabbath was not really what God said about the Sabbath. They added a whole bunch to it. Um, they added various things that you can't do. And so it was very strict laws about thing, what you could and couldn't do on the Sabbath. And instead of being amazed at this guy who was healed, they said, well, Jesus can't be from God because he did, he did the healing on a Sabbath. So instead of being amazed at the healing, they're focused on the day that he did it on. That's pretty, but remember when we talked earlier, Jesus said that it was necessary for him to do this at this time. Jesus only had so much time while he was here. And so he had to use that time wisely. And so Jesus sees this man and has to heal him right then. Now, the Pharisees are using this as an opportunity to discredit Jesus. Uh, remember, they wanted to kill him by this point. So they're not really interested in the truth. They're interested in finding a way to get him. Uh, they, they wanted to get him on something. And so they're using this as an opportunity. But we do see here that there is division amongst the Pharisees. Some of them called him a sinner because he did it on the Sabbath. But then others said, how can this man be a sinner if he's doing these works? This reminds me of uh, Nicodemus. When Nicodemus came to Jesus, he said, I know that thou art a man from God because no man can do these things that you do. Right? And I probably butchered that verse a little bit, but you got to forgive me a little bit. But 
That's what Nicodemus is saying to Jesus. So Nicodemus knows that Jesus is a man sent from God because of the works that he does, because of the miracles that he does. And we see this throughout the Old Testament, how prophets proved that they were sent by God was that they did miracles. They did things. And so the amazing thing is now when they're questioning the blind man, what do you say about this man who healed you? The blind man says, well, he's a prophet because he's doing some amazing stuff. And so this blind man who everybody would have looked at as a sinner and some generational sin there, everybody would have looked down on him, including Jesus's disciples. Uh, this man obviously knew uh, a bit about their history, about the Bible, because he says just right off the bat, he's a prophet. Well, he has to be, right? Because he's doing miracles. He has a very simplistic view of it. And that's really what God wants us to have, is a simplistic view, not to overcomplicate things or to add to the book. He just wants us to believe it. Then we see the next excuse that the Pharisees have. The Pharisees did not believe that the man had been born blind. So now that this man, you know, is basically saying that Jesus is a prophet and they can't really get Jesus on that front, they shift it to, well, the man that was healed must have been faking it. That's, <laughs> this man must have been pretending to be blind and then all of a sudden was healed or fake healed, right? That's what the Pharisees are believing. And so John chapter 9, verses 18 through 23 talks about this. It says, But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but, but, that, sorry, but by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would put the he would put them, uh, sorry, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, "He is of age. Ask him." So right off the bat, the the parents are scared of the Pharisees. Uh, everybody was scared of the Pharisees at this time, and remember, it was already pretty well known that the Pharisees wanted to kill Jesus. So they were they were plotting to kill him. Uh, this wasn't news to anyone. But going back up, so they, the Pharisees tried to say that the man that was healed was a fake, uh, that, that this was just a big ruse to try to, for Jesus to try to show uh, that he was Christ. But it wasn't fake. Then they, so they, they call his parents, they call the man's parents, and they interrogate them. This is, this is definitely an interrogation here. What's funny is, is, it, from what it seems is the parents, excuse me, um, were not present for the actual healing. Uh, that's from what it seems in the scripture. 
Why is that important? Well, the questions that they ask the parents, you see there's basically three questions. Is this your son who you say was born blind? So is this your son? Was he born blind? And then the third question, the parents couldn't possibly know. It says, how then does he now see? And so the parents were likely not even present because they, they called for them, they sent for them. And so they're asking them this question about something that they wouldn't have been there for. Now, what's interesting about this is that the parents answered uh, like they had lawyers with them, like they had expert lawyers with them. Notice they, they only answered directly the questions that were asked of them and didn't give any more information. Uh, they said, you know, we know that this is our son. Okay, that's the answer for the first question. And that he was born blind, answer for the second question. Then he said, by what means he sees now, we don't know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Then they go, so they answer their questions. They go, the guy's of age, why don't you ask him? So basically, uh, they're being interrogated to, remember, the Pharisees are trying to trip them up. They only answer directly the questions, and then they point directly back to their son. They're very willing to throw their son under the bus. Uh, but uh, it, that kind of makes sense because the son was already out there begging. So uh, remember that in that culture, their son would have likely been an embarrassment on them uh, because that whole generational sin idea. And so uh, it makes sense that they would just kind of point directly back to their son because they were scared of the Pharisees. And so we see uh, that excuse there again. Well, first we see that uh, they didn't believe, well, because it was the Sabbath. So he couldn't be from God because of the Sabbath. And then they say, well, that he must have not been born blind, that he must have just been faking it. And they got proven wrong on that, too. Now uh, they have another excuse, right? They didn't believe because they believed that them, they believed themselves to be of Moses, right? So, so we're just now their excuse is, well, we're just following what Moses said. Uh, so we're we're not worried about this new guy. We we're we're just following what Moses said. You know, we're they're high and mighty basically. And so it says this in John chapter nine, twenty four to twenty eight. And this is actually pretty funny here. Um, I was talking about this with another pastor, and uh, we we agreed that this is. This is kind of interesting, the man's ignorance, uh, and then he's teaching the Pharisees here. So anyway, in 24 to 28, it says, So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, this is the funny part, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that the, I was blind now I see. Then they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why, why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. And so these Pharisees are so blinded by what they think the Bible says 
that they don't realize that, that all of that was talking, pointing towards Jesus. And they say about Jesus that, that they say, well, you're healed. That's great. Give God the glory because Jesus is a sinner. The guy that did it is a bad guy, but you should be happy that you're healed. The guy just answers very simplistically, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know anything about him. All, all, he goes, all I know, basically, is that I was blind and now I see. So the man gives a very honest answer. Kind of puts the Pharisees in their place a little bit with it. And then the man kind of sarcastically again uh, says, I, when they ask him a second time exactly how he was healed, he says, basically, why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? So this man's changed by this. He wants to follow after Jesus because of it. And this man's so amazed. And he says to the Pharisees, well, do you also want to become his disciples? This would have been so insulting to the Pharisees. This is why they respond with, well, we, we are Moses' disciples. You're, you're this new guy's disciples. We, we, trust with, we trust what we know already. But obviously, they weren't actually good disciples of Moses, because if they had been, they would have been looking for Christ. So they have that another excuse there. They believe, basically believe their knowledge was so great, and this man couldn't, this couldn't have been uh, what was really happening. Now we see another excuse. The Pharisees did not believe because they did not know where Jesus was from. John chapter 9, verses 29 through 33, it says, We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from. Yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Wow, that man really hands it to the Pharisees now. There's something interesting about this, though. The Pharisees said that they, they wouldn't believe him because they do not know where he was from. Now, if you remember last week in John chapter 8, verse 14, it says, Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from and where I am going. So before this even happened, Jesus told the Pharisees that they didn't know where he was from. And then the Pharisees later said, we don't know where this guy's from. It's kind of amazing. I, I was, again, talking about this with another pastor, and it was, it was interesting. We had kind of two different views on this, but they're equally um, interesting. My view is that the Pharisees were taking Jesus' words uh, from before, 
and twisting them around and trying to get Jesus on them on on him sorry trying to get Jesus with those same words later so they were trying to trip Jesus up my friend's view was that well Jesus knew that they were going to say that and so beforehand actually talked about it and so Jesus literally was putting words into their mouths basically so he knew exactly how they were going to respond to things before they even did it and you'll actually see this throughout uh, the book of John. Jesus will say something, and then a couple of chapters later, the Pharisees will say it in a bit of a twisted way. And so either way you, you view that, it's pretty interesting. Uh, and so the Pharisees are constantly trying to get Jesus, but Jesus is always one step ahead of them. But we see that again, uh, this man understands that Jesus has to be sent by God because he's doing his will. And then also, it was unheard of that a man who was born blind was healed. So Jesus does things that are so amazing that he has to be from God. So the Pharisees are just getting beaten up by this guy who they looked down upon over and over again and they keep coming to more rationales as why they wouldn't believe why they couldn't believe right well now we see at the very end of this part with the pharisees that the pharisees refuse to believe and cast the man out so they're getting they're they're super frustrated with this man and then in verse 34 it says they answered and said to him you were completely born in sins, and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. And so everything that the man said to them, no matter how rational it sounded, they couldn't believe it, and they refused to believe it. They were willfully ignorant. They were blinded by what they desired. They were blinded by the world. So this man who's given physical sight Kind of, he he he's understands this spiritually that Jesus is special here. But these Pharisees who could physically see just could not grasp that Jesus was God, essentially. This reminds me of the Pharaoh, right? Uh, now the Pharisees, remember, they were saying that they were of Moses, right? That they were disciples of Moses. But really, they're a lot more like the Pharaoh uh, in, in the Exodus, right? The Pharaoh, over and over again, instead of looking at the works that were being done, the, the signs that were being shown, the plagues, instead of believing as a result of that, Pharaoh hardened his heart. He refused to believe. The Pharisees are doing that same thing. They are blinded by the world. They refuse to believe. So when now when Jesus really starts talking a lot, the most lines that Jesus has in this chapter, the most, the, the most that Jesus talks in this chapter is right at the very end, Jesus discusses what true vision is versus true blindness. So whereas the Pharisees were focused on the physical things, Jesus is focused on the spiritual so true, the, let's see the true vision of the man that was born blind. 
In verses 35 through 38, it says, Jesus heard that they cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and worshiped him. So that simple act caused that man to believe. That man was waiting to talk to Jesus. We have to have this true vision as Christians. In order to be saved, you actually have to not just have a historical knowledge of Jesus, not just you know look at the Bible as a self-help book, because it's not. It's probably the worst self-help book. If you look at the Bible with the knowledge of the world, uh, you're not going to get anything out of it. But if you look at that at the Bible for the truth that is in it, which is Jesus came and died for all of our sins, then you will get everything. You'll get eternal life. Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to go ahead and read verses 16 through 20. It says, Do not cease uh, to give thanks for you. This is Paul talking to the Ephesian church. Making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding be being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what, and what is, the, is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. The understanding that the Bible provides for us is that the knowledge of Jesus is the knowledge of Jesus, right? That's what the Bible gives us, is the, that, that knowledge. And through that knowledge that we would have eternal life, right? That's amazing. Jesus says, Jesus' statement on this in this next verse, the verse that we read right at the beginning of this sermon, says, or sorry, the statement is that the, that the blind may see and that those who, may, who see may be made blind. It says in John chapter 9, verse 39, it says, And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and the, those who see may be made blind you see in our own worldly standing understanding we cannot understand the things in the bible we have to be more like that blind man and just be willing to have faith in what jesus says again if we come to the bible with uh, thinking that we know everything we're not going to get anything out of it you can't use the Bible to just make yourself better. That's, that's not what it's for. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, 
But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So the things in the Bible are a mystery to this world, because we have to look at them spiritually. We can't understand it with our own natural minds. We have to have faith in Christ to open it up for us. Then we see in these next verses the true blindness of the Pharisees. If it wasn't obvious already, Jesus really spells it out because the Pharisees kind of ask him a bit of an arrogant question. In verses 40 through 41, it says, Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words, words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. Now, this is, sounds like it might be harsh, right? That uh, Jesus came and that, you know, he wanted to blind those who may see, right? But he's talking about that worldly understanding there. So why were these Pharisees blind? Ephesians 4.18 says, Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. So their hearts, just like that Pharaoh, were hardened. Uh, they had, over generations, changed things in the word to make them more and more strict. And they had gotten powerful because of this. And so they were refusing to see Jesus as the Son of God. Not just, uh, it, it's not just ignorance, it's that willful ignorance there. Who's responsible for this? Who's responsible for this blinding? 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 through 4. It says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Not our God. This is the God of the world here. It says, Who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So if they would just believe, the gospel, the glory of God, would shine on them. But it says the God of this age has blinded them. This is the work of the devil. The reason why people are blinded in this world is because the devil is the one in control of those things. God is allowing this to happen because we have to have that choice. You know, there's something interesting. Thinking back to the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh, uh, if you read like the first part of the plagues, after each one it says the Pharaoh hardened his heart. But then the latter ones, it says God hardened his heart. It's kind of one of those things you made your bed, your bed now you've got to sleep in it. God gives everyone an opportunity to come to know him. But if you pass that up, 
at some point you are going to stop receiving opportunities. Some people, that's death. Some people have their hearts so hardened that they will never come to believe. It's a sad fact. Some people are so against it that they are willfully ignorant. They know that maybe Jesus was a person, but they just refuse to believe. We cannot be like that. You know, even as saved people, we can kind of start to get like that and start to get blinded. Now, not to the point where we would lose our salvation, but to the point where we can start being legalistic like the Pharisees. We have to not do that. We have to just stick to God's word and preach that only. In conclusion this morning as the pianist and song leader come. I was blind, but now I see. That is a beautiful statement that that man made. Of course, not talking about physical blindness. That man literally, uh, that, that man's physical symptoms were a reflection of spiritual things. Uh, if you look, get into this passage and study it really closely, one of the things that happens with that transformation of the man uh, is a reflection of, thing, of mankind as a whole. Blindness is a good thing when it, we're talking about uh, spiritually. Now, I'm not talking about the blindness that the Pharisees had. I'm talking about blindness to sin, that innocence there. That man started off blind, just like mankind started off blind to sin. But then man sinned and their eyes were opened, right? And then uh, when we're saved as people, we are again in that state of innocence because of Jesus. We are under that. And so just like this man was healed and was made to see, and then he tells the Pharisees that if they were blind, they would not sin. But because they say they see, they are now blind. So if you're here this morning and you're not saved, I know that sounded kind of complicated, but I tried to relay what I was reading in that. But if you're here this morning and you're not saved, trust in Jesus to open your eyes. The truth of the Bible is that Jesus came and died for all of our sins. That's the truth. That's the one thing that you need to know in order to go to heaven. If you try to study the Bible for anything else without that understanding, it's not going to make any sense to you. You have to come to any other knowledge must first come from salvation. So if you're not saved this morning, look at this blind man. He had to obey Jesus' words. The Bible says that we have to repent and believe. And so that man going to that pool and washing his eyes just like Jesus told him is really like what we need to do as people. We need to hear that word. We need to hear Jesus' command and do it. Repent and believe. Would you do that this morning?